0: hello hello you are listening to why the world needs you podcast hosted by me benjamin fritz this podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be the journey is difficult and the challenges are many but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable the objective of this show is to give you a safe supportive space to learn gain inspiration and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello, and welcome to the Why the World Needs You podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Fritz, and today I have Emily Ballesteros here with me. Emily is a fellow Chicagoan and a burnout management coach. As a type A achiever, she is here to talk to us about how to optimize your personal and professional performance without burning out. Emily, thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Oh, yeah. So we were just um, talking before before I started us off about how I love what you do um, because it's something that is very near and dear to my heart, something that... I've struggled with and caused me a lot of my own pain and anguish, um, mental, emotional, physical health issues, all the things. So I'm super excited to kind of talk about, you know, uh, you know, share your story and then dig into why you decided to help people with that because man, it is, it is something that uh, is, is prevalent. So we yeah. need you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's burnout is a silent killer and it, Death by a million paper cuts. So, I think it's gaining popularity. It's gaining some traction, but it's also one of those things people don't want to admit to, to themselves. So, until it becomes more mainstream, it's going to be one to remain a silent killer. So, yeah, I, um, I'll I'll share a little bit about how I even got into burnout. Like most people, I burnt myself out, <laughs> and <Yep>. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how you know it so intimately. <laughs> but I. Moved to Chicago after I got my first degree and got my master's in industrial organizational psychology. So I was going to school full time, which was three nights a week for three hours um, in person at a downtown Chicago campus. I was working full time. I was coaching part time. I was commuting two to three hours a day. And then in my spare time, I was doing homework. I was in a long distance relationship and I was trying to like have some semblance of a fitness routine. And I just ate like crap, couldn't sleep, everything, like I was anxious all the time. Sundays I just spent the whole day in anxiety. And I had other friends who were consultants who were working a hundred hours a week. And we would just look at each other with like death in our eyes. We were like, <laughs> this is not it. <laughs> like everybody's out there enjoying their life, enjoying their friends. They're not, you know, huddled in a corner anxious about just doing day-to-day things. And after I graduated, I decided I was already doing um, I went from HR to training and development to organizational development to um, change management to corporate training. So I already knew how to create programs, but I'd never thought to create my own. And then at that point, I decided that I would have more freedom and be able to customize it to one-on-one needs the way that I wanted to, that I couldn't when the organization's name was on it. So I branched into creating my own program and that is what I've been doing for like the last six months now. Quarantine time doesn't count, I feel so. <laughs> right. It feels like less, but yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's I, I love how you described burnout, like death by a thousand paper cuts for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And I think too just like because of our culture and the the fast paced nature and kind of all these carrots we have around us like dangling mm-hmm. everywhere, right? Like yeah. grab this one, grab this one. We're just in this state of, I feel like do more, do more, do more. Yeah. And that just feels like, I mean, yeah. Like having my own relationship with that, just saying that I immediately start to like tense up a little bit. Cause I'm like, Oh, that just feels so bad. Uh, But how do you think like that considered, how do you think like our society and just like the way we live really promotes or, or affects our relationship with burnout?
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of, at least what I've heard other leaders talk about is once you get past a certain threshold of achievement, it's drowning in a sea of opportunities. It's If you're good at something, people want you to be a part of things. And once you reach a certain threshold, you have so many opportunities that you feel bad saying no to, because we're trained from such a young age to do more and be more and not rest too much and not rest in, or play until we've done all of our responsibilities and to just take advantage of every opportunity, not knowing that in our age, we have so many opportunities all the time. And if you're not an essentialist and you don't know what actually matters to you, which no one teaches you how to discern at any point really, <laughs> unless you seek it out, then you just say yes to everything and you live by default and not design. Um so I I think that we're just missing something institutionally that actually teaches people what they need to make essential for themselves, not for society at large.
0: Yeah, I think too I was Interesting. I, there was a couple of things you mentioned. I was like, "Oh, like had thoughts," mm-hmm. but the one that stood out to me was like opportunity. And mentioning, I think you said that two or three times. And mm-hmm. to me, it feels like I just thought of FOMO. It's like we have yeah. opportunities, and we get to this place, like you said, where we have so many, and we get. It's almost like <laughs> I liken it to Netflix, and my wife and I have spent so much time scrolling on Netflix. Like you sit there and you look through and look through and look through for half a fucking hour Mm -hmm. before you decide to watch something. (laughs) And by that point, I'm just pissed off. Like I'm just annoyed when really, you know, oftentimes come back to the first movie or show that I would have watched anyways. And I'm just, Mm -hmm. by that point, I'm just frustrated. I'm annoyed. Like I'm going to be going to bed later than I was like all, all this stuff. So that to me is like the feeling I'm curious about your thoughts yeah. on FOMO and decision fatigue and like how yeah. that ties into this.
1: Definitely. Um, so on decision fatigue first, so um, Dave Asprey's book, Game Changers, and I think in all of his books, he mentions this, but he talks about decision fatigue and I don't know, I don't know that he found it. I'm sure somebody, somewhere talked about it, but um, it's, you only have the capacity to make so many thoughtful decisions a day and you actually do become increasingly tired of making decisions and make them more thoughtlessly as the day goes on. Um, And we waste so many of those decisions on, oh, well, my company has a breakfast buffet. What am I going to choose for breakfast? Or like, how am I going to dress today? And you see certain leaders who've gotten really good at automation, not even care about that stuff. You see, you know, what Steve Jobs wore every day. You see people who know the value of their decisions waiting to make them on something important. Whereas most people don't have that information so they let themselves get really wound up and anxious about all the different decisions they could make before lunch. And then by the end of the day, when they wanted to use those decisions to decide, am I going to go to this small group? Am I going to go to the gym? Am I going to do whatever? They're fresh out of that energy, which would be for themselves. And that's also because people usually wake up, go to work, and they're the last thing on their priority list. Um, so they just also get the blunt end of their decision making. But um what was I going to say to the first part? Um, we'll just go with that for now. And then when it comes back to me, I'll jump into that.
0: Yeah. But, Did you yeah. tie in anything about FOMO there or do you feel like?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, So there have been studies done where people go to restaurants with like 10 page menus versus like in and out where there are six items and they'll yeah. rate their satisfaction. And they're more satisfied at the restaurants where there's only like limited items because they knew all their options. They picked based on their interests and then and they were happier as opposed to going to a restaurant and you you don't even get through everything. You're actually stressed and overwhelmed by these options. And that's what our society looks like nowadays. We have endless options. Um and as a result, I think a lot of people are less satisfied.
0: Yeah, it's this is a topic that to me is just so, so interesting. Like it's fascinating because like we're we should obviously be grateful for the opportunities that we have. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we just have so many other, like we have so many options in our lives compared to people in different country, different countries, different situations. And I mean, I know, I know for me, it's like, I think we often get caught up in like, we think this is the only way to live and we forget all those other things out there. Um, but it's just so it's, it's fascinating to me that, As humans, we can have these things. We can have all these options. These things, like, like to go to go back to the buffet thing. I think using that as an example is really good because it's a very primal thing. Like you have all these options of great things to eat. Like, how does that turn into something bad? You know, and this I'm just like over here, like, (laughs) like wondering. So you may not have an answer for this, but it's just so fascinating to me that we can have all these things offered up to us, and it actually becomes. Mm a a place where we start to not feel good.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think with the visibility that we have nowadays into everybody else's life and into the possibilities that we didn't know existed, like even a month ago, um, it's like the equivalent of going into a buffet and knowing there's all this food and then somebody telling you like, but you can only like pick from this section over here. And it's, it's overwhelming to know there is so much more and you haven't gotten the chance to see it or experience it. I think that's like totally separate topic, but that mm-hmm. has a lot to do with the modern dating scene and like apps yeah. that make you feel like, oh, but there could be something better. Like, what about over there? Like, I haven't explored everything because we have so much more capacity to explore with our technology and with just how wide our networks can span nowadays.
0: Yeah, I really like that you brought up the the dating thing too because that's super true. You know, like before I met my wife, I was in that, you know, I, I messed around with that for like probably a year or two. Um, Mm -hmm. and so you really start to get that feeling, but what I connect that to is the, the feeling or idea, you know, kind of underlying FOMO is like, there could be something better. There could be something better. And so we're constantly pulling ourselves out of a state of being from like right here, right now, and like being happy with what we have. To attaching to something outside of us, and a great example is like my wife and I um, we've both struggled at times in our life of always wanting more and and, mm-hmm. and it's like how do you create that balance of striving and and moving forward, creating progress in your life because that's great, obviously, but then at the same time how do you how do you create space for just being and enjoying where you are, enjoying what you have. Um, and again, I'm not going to go into details uh, because it's not about me today, but with, <laughs> with my own history and my, my health issues, like I said, mental, emotional, physical, the whole gamut, uh, that's a lot what it was for me it was just like pushing, 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 just never being like present or still enough or just like content with what I have. So I'm curious about your thoughts around that. And then to I wanted to get a little bit more into your your journey with burnout and like how, if any of that relates, like how you ended up getting to that place.
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay. So starting with the first part, I think that like a lot of people, when, when they're kind of shoulding themselves and when they're thinking like, oh, I should do this, I should do that because... That's what other people are doing. I'm seeing everybody else living their highlight reel. Um, it would make sense for me to do these things. What I try to ask myself is, is there anything that's actually wrong? Or is there just something I want to be different or better? And most of the time, there is nothing wrong. Even if I think, oh, I should work more. I should do this. It's like, there's nothing wrong with my business. There's nothing wrong with like all of these different elements. I just, in my perfect world, would like them all to look like this way, which would require, you know, however many hundreds of hours of work. And so we should ourselves into feeling bad about not having things that are a more enhanced version of what we already have when there is no problem. Um, and I think a lot of people don't make that discernment and then they end up in a state of stress constantly because it's it's never enough. But um, I was talking to a friend who said that, you know, I, I don't think my boyfriend is happy making $200,000 a year. Um, he thinks he'll be happy when he's making X amount of money. And it's like, if you're not happy making $200,000 a year, you're not going to be happy making $500,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Definitely wouldn't be happy making $50,000 a year like that. That's in the eye of the beholder. And so much of it is. Um, so yeah, a large part of it obviously comes from you and your personal views. And that's what creates burnout. But um, yeah, common problem.
0: Yeah. It's it's so interesting to mention the money thing, and that's you know, it's like one of the studies that they have done around this, right? Is like, you know, they come up with a a certain income level or whatever, and it's like, oh, like there's there's kind of like um diminishing returns and, and happiness after that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like, yeah, the actual number aside, you're right. It's like at some point you've got to realize that your your happiness isn't going to be determined by those things. Yeah. And really it's kind of working your way backwards from there. And it's like, well, what, you know, what am I missing? Like it, you kind of have to, like you said, definitely what's the problem is like, is there an actual problem or is this something that I'm creating or latching on to what's kind of like beneath this, this feeling for me? Um mm-hmm. So So yeah, talk about, talk a little bit more about your journey when you were doing these million things. Like I, I, (laughs) everything you said, (laughs) I just got exhausted thinking, um, (laughs) because wow. Uh, what, how do you feel in hindsight? Did you get to that point? How did that happen? Why Mm -hmm. did that become your reality?
1: Yeah. Um, I consistently overload my plate. I have since I was a child, and I had endless energy. Then I don't know what happened, but that stopped <laughs> somewhere in my twenties. Um, but we get in the habit of overloading our plate. I think there's a lot more pressure on kids nowadays too to perform a certain way in school, take AP classes, you know, do five after school activities, and hang out with friends and like all that jazz. But that you that was normal. And so um, going into my master's, it was just volume for me um a lot of some people experience burnout because they're just so bored like they just are super uninspired by how they're spending 40 plus hours a week and that will burn them out and I happen to be burning myself out by volume which is the hardest um like one to exit I would say just because you you'd basically have to quit something which is what I had to do I had to quit my job um I didn't have to I wanted to (laughs) at that point but I was ready but um yeah, by volume, you have to quit something. If you're bored, you have to make some really serious changes. Um, if you're in a toxic environment, you have to make changes. Um, if it's workload, you have to create boundaries. So depending on what type of burnout you have and the source of it, some people just have really bad friends and their friends drain them constantly. Um, so that's social burnout. And all of these things look so different that people don't think that they're burnt out. They just think they have a bad friend. Um, when in reality, they need to make some serious changes. So. Yeah, I was, mine
0: was volume. Oh, two things. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's super interesting to me. And I want to come back to that because I was a different type of burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why did you like what was the driving force mm-hmm. behind the volume? Like, w- like, why did you get into all those things? Or why did you feel like you talking about should, right? shitting all over your, yeah. yourself. What, what was that for you?
1: Um, I am an achiever type in every single personality test test that I've ever taken. Um, I just, if I, if it can be done, I want to do it Mm -hmm. and I want to do it well. And for so long, that was my identity was being able to do things. And, um, so it wasn't intimidating to take on new challenges. It was just the fact that there were opportunities again that I wasn't able to take. So definitely that. Silent that achiever in the back of my mind that was telling me like, you shouldn't rest because you could read this book and keep growing. You shouldn't, you know, enjoy your time off. You should be coaching on the side too. You should like, you know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I totally get that. I'm, I'm definitely not as much of an achiever, but I, I do have that part of me. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I don't even know like what, mm-hmm. like on an enneagram or whatever, but I know Roughly where I fall, but basically I feel that, but I I have the awareness, like I'm not, I'm not that. And to hear you talk about it, it's like, man, I can only, I, or I can't really imagine having more of that achieving part of me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you know, I feel like I'm at like three quarters of the tank where you're, a, you're, you know, you're the hundred percent mark.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but anyways, I wanted to go back to, the, the different types of burnout. Cause that's, Mm -hmm. that's super interesting to me. I've never actually heard it laid out that way.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, but it makes 100% sense to me as you're talking about it. I'm just like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, totally. It totally makes sense. And I think that this is one of the reasons you kind of finished with it is like why burnout remains kind of this, like, Amorphous blob of like gray yeah. area where you can't really, you know. In our Western culture, we like to be able to diagnose. We like to be able to mm-hmm. be like, "Yep, those are the those are the signs. Those are the, those are the symptoms." And while burnout is becoming that, um, the the fix isn't really quite as easy. But it sounds like to me, based on when you, if you can understand which category you fall into, then then you do have a, a pointed solution. So talk a little bit more about that just in terms of like, what are the, I know you mentioned them, but like, what are the categories? And then, yeah, if you could just do like a quick, a quick, like how you would go about changing that.
1: Yeah. So the primary categories that I've noticed and that I'll work through is, so volume itself, which usually means something has to go or you could potentially be managing your time um, without as much tact as you could um, in which case you'd work on your time management probably your boundary creation and just saying no to more things uh, there's by boredom um, or by dissatisfaction a lot of times people in this category will feel stuck and um, I've had clients who are just like there. I can't pinpoint what's wrong but I'm stuck and if I'm still stuck in this place a year from now I, I don't know what I'm going to do so I need somebody to guide me out of that um, so that just looks like again a lot more changes in a guided fashion so there is direction especially if they don't know what they're interested in um and then there is the volume that so social burnout so this can this is very common in people with families or people who are living with a lot of other people um, or who just have some of those friendships where they're more codependent and this one is trickier because you a lot of people associate creating those boundaries with the withdrawal of love, so they don't want to suddenly start withdrawing love from a partner or from friends or from, like, sometimes like adult children, whatever it is for them. Um, and so rather than sabotage those relationships, they just remain burned out. Um, and those are the three primary categories. And then there are people who want to just make changes in their life because they're they want to develop and grow, but that's a lesser burnout. It's just, it kind of goes into that boredom category.
0: Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. for anybody listening, if you're, if you feel like you're burnt out and you don't really know why, um, definitely hone in on that because that's really going to help you make your first steps. Um, for me, you know, my personal story Mm -hmm. with burnout is boredom. I was, and it's funny because I tell people, you know, when I was working my, my desk job over, you know, seven years ago, I, I didn't hate it. I really didn't, but it just wasn't exactly what you said. Like I was going to work 40 hours a week to something that just didn't mean anything to me, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: it was like that lack of meaning. Just like, it's it's just so different than who I am. I'm just a very, I'm a passionate purposeful guy. And Mm -hmm. so something that didn't, that I couldn't really truly engage with on a deep level on a daily basis It just drove me fucking insane. And, (laughs) and so for a lot of people, I know that seems strange because they're like, well, you know, like, it doesn't matter. Good job. You didn't hate it. So like, what's the problem? Um, but that's definitely what it was. And, and then two naturally, of course, right? Like those are the people that I coach. Yeah. Those are the people that, like you said, stuck is, is usually the feeling of just like, all I know is something's not right. And mm-hmm. I don't feel good. <laughs> and you did such a yeah. great job of encapsulating it. Like if I'm here a year from now, and, and truly like people are like, I, I don't know what I'll do. And yeah. and you can just like see the hope and despair or that mm-hmm. not the hope, the despair in in their eyes kind of like when they say that. It's just like, I don't know what to do. Um, so mm-hmm. anyways, that's the one that I'm very familiar yeah. with. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting that there's kind of like different flavors of burnout
1: yes oh yes yeah and i mean you like you talked about earlier you know when we were talking about living in the city versus not before this um, yeah. some people are more sensitive to their environment and they they cannot be in an environment where they it just doesn't align with them and same with jobs some people some people don't like their job but they're they're fine with that or like they don't like their environment but they're fine with that or they're in a mediocre relationship but they're fine with that and then there are other people who will n- not necessarily empaths but who absorb more of what's going on around them and need those things to be aligned with them in order to feel just content
0: yeah and i'll just to kind of talk on that for a second because I can provide a little bit more depth <laughs> um, yeah. by personal experience, both me and my wife are that person. We mm-hmm. are incredibly sensitive to how aligned we are with everything in our lives, with our relationships, with our environment, with our the work that we do. And look, we all have struggles. So I'm not saying like, oh, poor me, but this has been really hard for us <clears throat> because we, live in a society that is kind of like it's it's abrasive really. And again, I'm not placing good or bad necessarily on that, but it is, it's, it's, it's kind of harsh. It's fast paced. It's in your face. Like that's just the way we live in the States. And so it's for both of us, it's been kind of a journey to be okay with that because we do also, like I said, have that achieving side of us. And so there's mm-hmm. been this really interesting dynamic in how do we do these cool things that we want to do how do we be productive members of society because we very much want to be it's not like we we just want to be like sitting in a hole somewhere like curled up <laughs> together yeah it's not that either but there are so many things that um we haven't been able to to follow that blueprint right of like mm-hmm the way of living, the lifestyle, like you said, I, I love that you brought the Chicago back into this. We were talking about basically how Jesse and I were living downtown Chicago and the environment we we realized drained the shit out of us. <laughs> yeah, Um There was just so much stimulus and you don't, what we were specifically talking about was how we didn't even truly realize it in the moment. And so we like, extracted ourselves from Mm -hmm. that situation and then really in hindsight we're like oh wow like this was a major major player so anyways just kind of interesting for anybody that does feel that it can it can be really frustrating because i mean you go down the rabbit hole of of self-worth and all those things because it's like oh like am i weak do i do i not know how to function in this society So. Just kind of adding a little bit more dimension to that because I, you know, I have very intimate experience with that. Like I said, both me and my wife. Yeah. So
1: yeah. And people are so adaptive and resilient. They don't even realize, you know, until in hindsight, they'll be like, wow, that situation was insane. I can't believe I like was able to endure that for however many years. Um, and if you were putting it again, you could probably endure it again. But once you're in a better place, you just do everything you can not to be in that place again.
0: Yeah. So the thing that popped into my mind as soon as you said Mm -hmm. that was the difference between surviving and thriving. And I feel like both you and I have an aspect of that in our business and we help people Mm -hmm. with that in different ways. So what is that? Like, what does that look like or what does that mean to you in terms of, I mean, just your personal feelings around it, but also how you Mm -hmm. help people?
1: Yeah. So. A couple things, but so I was watching a webinar that um, Tony Robbins was doing a little while ago, and he was talking about how we crave progress and which is another reason people feel stuck because they don't see progress in in various areas. But if you have three large goals and you complete all of them, you you'll feel good for maybe a couple days and then you miss having those goals. You create new goals because those things and making that progress was a part of your identity, it made you proud. It noted time passing. I mean, quarantine has taught people anything. It's that like this Groundhog Day every day again and again without any sense of progress is it's disarming. And every time it's Friday, I'm like, it's Friday? Like, it doesn't deserve to be Friday. I haven't left my home. Like, it, it, we, some people really enjoy it, but they also probably have created senses of progress and things that do fill them up and make them satisfied. Um, and I think that's the difference between thriving and surviving. You could put two people in the exact same situation. You could strand them on an Island and the one that creates a semblance of progress for themselves, whether it's, you know, like building a hut or whatever it is that you, they would do, that person's going to be more satisfied and almost look back fondly and be proud of how they handled the situation versus somebody who like doesn't recognize that even small progress is going to be what makes life meaningful.
0: Yeah, that's, that's super cool. Have you ever read the book Flow by? I have not. Okay. Do you know what it's? So it's, um, yeah. by Mahali, Mahali, and the last name is like, like <laughs> five right syllables long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I just started reading it recently and it's really a lot about that. Basically just like, what is, what does flow mean? And it's super cool because it's just like, a ton of research done on it, which I like, I like hippy dippy kind of like, yeah. I like that stuff, but I also like science. I, I like mm-hmm. both aspects of it. Um, And, and so this is very much science backed stuff. And it's basically kind of along those lines of like, it really comes down to our experience and how we mm-hmm. relate to things and how we derive meaning from every, like every moment of our lives like right now you know the next yeah. moment today tomorrow um so i'm curious for you like either in in your life or with your clients how is that a um kind of like a concept that you use and then like what do you what do you build on top of that to help people or like I said, or have helped yourself in the past to like create that sense of, of progress, like you were saying?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So something that we do pretty quickly is try and get that like bird's eye view of how they're living their life. A lot of people are too close to it and they'll start out in a place of victimhood where it's like, well, have you tried doing it this way? And they're like, no, like immediately that can't work. Like, no, I've tried that. It it didn't work out last time. And a lot of times it's not that the thing won't work. It's that they don't have faith in themselves, holding themselves to a different way. So we get that, like take a couple steps back and they'll design their perfect day. Like start to finish. They'll like it in your perfect world, you're the perfect person or like most idealized version of yourself. How do you actually live your day? And How are you currently living it? And they see like, well, in my actual like best life, I wake up at this time. I have time for coffee. I listen to a podcast in the morning. I go to work at a reasonable pace. Like I tell my boss no when they come over and they try and interrupt my projects. I take, I don't eat lunch at my desk. Like they describe this day that is so doable, but it's so different from what they're actually allowing themselves to do and just making that transition and somebody holding them accountable to taking advantage of those small gaps so that there's actually sustainable personal care like that goes back into the death by a thousand cuts of they didn't realize that they were, you know, skipping meals for six hours in the middle of the day. And that was a huge contributor to why they also weren't able to go to the gym after work. So then they didn't feel good about themselves. So then they blah, blah, blah. And it, it all spirals. So just having that awareness and like almost weekly being conscious of this is important to me this week. And this is how I'm going to make it happen, even if sacrifices have to be made for that progress. Um, whereas I think when you're just in survival mode, you just are bumper to bumper. All of your activities, everything feels chaotic. You don't know when you're going to have time to catch your breath, and um, you're a victim to your schedule. And you live by default and not design. So we try and switch into that mentality.
0: Oh yeah, I I love that, and you. I, I caught this phrase earlier, by the way, and I didn't get to say anything about it, but I love like um living by default instead of by design because
1: mm-hmm. that's a
0: lot of the language that I use with my clients is like,
1: yeah,
0: I want you to be the active creator or designer of your life. And really yeah. what we're both talking about the way that like the reason we're saying it like that is truly being in an, an empowered place.
1: And again, you said yeah. too,
0: like being a victim of your schedule,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're either at the mercy of the things around you, of, like to life or the other way around, or you're in control. And, and so really to me, as you're saying all this, it's like, what you're doing is you're helping people gain agency back, mm-hmm. like that you're helping them gain control of their lives. And yeah. Within that, there, there is this sense of empowerment because it's empowerment by doing, right? It's like, it's showing Mm -hmm. yourself, oh, I can do these things. Yeah. The thing that's That's interesting to me about that is, and again, I speak from personal experience here. I think that so much of that stems from, you used the word boundaries earlier, and that's immediately what I was starting to think of there. Um, but in order to create boundaries, you need to value yourself. You need to value yourself and your time. And that's Mm -hmm. not something that I've always done. Like I, that's been a struggle for me in the past. So I know that from learning from it, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts around that.
1: Yeah. Boundaries are like one of my favorite topics. Um, because they, after, you know, completely nerding out and reading as much as I could find on boundaries. They're talked about so emotionally boundaries all, always feel like I'm valuing myself over you, which like you said, if you don't have, especially in the workplace, if you don't think your work is as important as everybody else's work, and then you won't stand up for it. You will always take on other work, trying to prove that you can do it, trying to prove that like you have time and like you are the only person that's going to preserve yourself in your work and stand up for your worth. And if you're not in the habit of doing that, then your resources are just up for grabs. And so going from thinking of boundaries as emotional to thinking of boundaries as logistical and allocation of resources. And that works in the workplace, letting somebody know, like, I don't have the resources for that. I can help you in this way, or these are my priorities. What would you like me to replace? And making, taking the emotion out of it, um, has, is just huge as far as not tying your, your self-worth up in it and just making it about resource allocation.
0: Yeah. So, so cool. It, it, it's totally the perspective, right. And and mm-hmm. how we think of it. And I know for me, you know, I know where that stems from and that's like, as a kid, like confrontation is bad. You don't yeah. do that. You don't like put your, your needs in front of other people. And so because of that messaging, it was ingrained in me then that you don't do this because you're, you're putting like, don't put other people Mm -hmm. in that situation. And so then as a kid, I keep my mouth shut. I take it on boundaries Mm -hmm. smashed. Like, (laughs)
1: yeah. Yeah. And
0: so then it just, it it progresses. But the the crazy thing is that's something we carry with us throughout our lives to where I am 30 years old and I'm still trying to learn how to set boundaries because I still, they still feel so emotionally charged to me. Mm -hmm. And this is like the basis of people pleasing, right? Like, yeah. Like if I do this thing, what if they don't like me? What if I don't get love? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And we don't realize that this is what's happening. This is at the root of it. And so it's kind of like reverse engineering that whole thing, but it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's crazy how it works.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's trusting other people as adults too, that I can deliver this adult message, this clear, very reasonable request and they they're going to receive it and they should have the capacity to receive it like an adult and if they're going to have a complete meltdown uh, like you can't really do that much about it um because you can't get inside someone's head and change the way that they think teach them all the language that you know like make them understand that you do deserve a saturday to yourself you don't need a good reason to say no you can't spend time with them whatever it is um and i love what you said about this starting in childhood because take that childhood trauma right to the bank for everyone. That is Mm, like (laughs) the fruit. And um, when you receive those messages like, hey, you should invite blah, blah, blah to your birthday because you'll hurt their feelings or you shouldn't wear that or say this or do this other thing because what will other people think and say teaches you not only that other people's feelings and thoughts are your responsibility, um, but teaches you that you you have control over them. And if you are a perfect person, you can make everybody happy and you can enhance everybody else's life, even if it's at the expense of your own. And while there is a certain amount of consideration you should give to those around you, you should not be doing it at your personal expense or you will never have enough resources to actually capitalize on your own life and be as big as you could be. Um, and that's where a lot of people get stuck. They just have never, they've said yes to everybody else before themselves
0: that is such like when i realized that it was such a mind blowing thing to me to mm-hmm. be like oh what i'm actually doing by people pleasing is trying to control somebody else's reaction yeah Cause, you know cuz like we don't think of it in those terms but it's like when you zoom out a little bit and you look at it from that lens it's like oh shit i really am trying to control the room and i love mm-hmm. i love how you said this before of let them, you know, you're essentially like treat them as an adult, let them have their own adult reaction. And if they don't, well, then, then whatever, (laughs) like that's not, that's not up to you, but it's also not like, okay, really for you to, to try to be doing that. And really, Mm -hmm. I just want to mention quickly something in here too, because this has been a really, really key part of my journey. And that is, what this does to you as a person makes you inauthentic and it makes you show up in a way that is, is not authentic to you and to who you want to be. And what you're doing is by trying to control that moment, by trying to worry about that, you are again, very much death by a thousand paper cuts of mm-hmm you're taking this little win because, oh, I don't want to accept that person or, oh, I don't want to make this situation awkward. So I'm just going to, I'll take the hit here. But eventually, you can end up in a situation where you hate your life. You hate your yeah. life because <laughs> you don't like the people you're surrounded with. You don't like the job you have. And all of this started with not being able to set boundaries for yourself and not being, mm-hmm. like I said, true to who you really are. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's a really interesting thing for people to understand is like, we're always, I shouldn't say always, but like so often we are trying to be something that we're not or trying to put Mm -hmm. on a facade or, you know, a face for some reason. And the more that we do that, the more, like the deeper the hole we dig for Mm -hmm. ourselves.
1: Yeah, definitely. We're teaching people how to treat us constantly. And if you've accidentally conditioned them over the years that like you'll do the the crappy part of the job or you'll take on someone's admin work or you'll like make sacrifices on your weekend to go see, like do X, Y, Z for them. Then when you do remove those boundaries, they're like, what, those are my resources, not your resources. What are you talking about? And it's even harder. So yeah, start, start sooner rather than later.
0: Resource allocation. I love, love that way of looking at it. So thank oh, yeah. you both for, for yeah. me and, and everybody <laughs> else. um. Yeah. So one other childhood thing I wanted to mention here, you mentioned it a little bit earlier and I also, um, I, I saw a post of yours recently and I commented on and that was the, the work before play thing. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting that you said that. And so like continue to use this in your messaging because it's so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for me. That is so deeply angering Like I, I can just like see and feel my mom saying that like Saturday, you know, it's like Saturday, here are all the chores. We're doing all the work or like you go, you do your homework before you go out with friends. And so this is really interesting to me because in my adult life, you know, to be very transparent with people, I've struggled as a procrastinator and not doing things. And, um, through, plenty of therapy. I've figured out like, I'm essentially being defiant to that, that part of myself that is like how I was parented of like, no, I want to do this now. I don't want to do the, the right thing first. Yeah. Um, so I kind of tangented there, but what I am curious about is like, it's obviously a logical thing, right? Like work mm-hmm. before play, take care of your responsibilities and then you go have free time. It makes sense on paper yeah. So what is, what do you see that is really beneficial about it? And what do you see that's potentially detrimental about it? And how do you see that yeah. play out in people?
1: Um. So I feel like just college is what like, the best example of, I would see people like out doing things. And I'm like, we're in the same class. Like we have a test tomorrow. Why are you <laughs> out having fun? Like you animal, like go study in the library. Like I'm going to have to go do. And I think, I just, again, like you said, parented myself. So with not only my parents' voice, because honestly, they didn't put that much pressure on me. I really put the pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you just, it helps until it hurts. And then once it's hurting you, you recognize like, I haven't had fun in two weeks, Like my life is very put together, all of my business is in order, but I can't remember the last time I just actually had fun. I don't, I'm not going to blame quarantine, but like, you know, you'll recognize when you've just strayed so far from the reckless joy that children feel like children's entire job is just to seek out joy and like try to have fun and they avoid bad things at most costs. And as we get older, like we just get more comfortable slipping into a majority of our life being responsibility and think we have to earn or deserve rest or fun or play and you don't have to but we also kind of society will shame people who take too much time to play or like people who built really good businesses who only have to work four hours a week they'll shame them because they're like oh you don't deserve to make all this money just because you did something smarter not harder like because you worked well um and we'll always think you know for as long as we think that hustle and working and overworking is what's going to equate to success. um, Then we're going to tip in the favor of work over play and play will be judged by those who want to do it, but don't get the chance to do it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Like the, yeah, the dynamic and like you said, the the messaging around it, the shame around it, just so much shame. Um, (laughs) And this is something that, you know, I'm still like, Again, I, I think it's pertinent to be transparent about this. It's, like it's something that I'm still very much trying to figure out in my own life. And mm-hmm. this has been something that I've really, really struggled with as a, a business owner for yeah. six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I started a personal training business six years ago. And I, so I reached burnout basically right before I did that in my desk job. And then I burnt myself out two years ago mm-hmm. and doing something I love, doing something yeah. I absolutely love, but it's because I didn't know how to fucking let go.
1: Yeah. And
0: I was just, I didn't know how to play. I didn't know how to have fun. I had no no balance. Like, I would have been a perfect client of yours at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I wasn't able to create these distinctions or this balance in my own life. And so it's something that coming off of that in the past two years, I've just, I've grown so much as a person. And it's been really exciting for me to see, oh, there is a different way to live. There is a way that you can can do this in a way that feels really good. and And again, like letting go of that conditioning, letting go of the... You know, the the value, again, going back to a self-worth thing, right? Like I just put so much Mm -hmm. value on the things that I was doing. And like we've talked about plenty here is like the achievements and where I wanted to go instead of putting inherent value in myself and being like, hey, and we talked about this about like right before the podcast today is like rainy day here in Chicago. I don't want to do shit basically. And there are things I should be doing, but I just don't want to. Um, but like getting to a point where I could be okay with that Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: not feel so shameful. And again, all the pre like I'm the one putting the pressure on myself at this point in my life, but to like Mm -hmm. take an afternoon, just be like, yeah, I want to like curl up and read and not having shameful thoughts is, is something that has been a massive journey for me. So I just want to take this moment to say for anybody listening, like I'm going to speak for you for a second here, but like, please, please reach out to us even Mm -hmm. if you're not interested in working with us or anything like that. But if you are struggling with that and creating this balance and a lot of what we're telling you and talking about around burnout resonates, please at least reach out and so that we can give you a tool or two and set you in the right direction because it just sucks. It just sucks Mm -hmm. to be stuck in that place. And it's like, I'm, you know... It's a constant journey, right? But I'm 30, 31 years old, almost 32 years old. And I feel like I'm just beginning to live my life. Yeah. And that's crazy. So let, mm-hmm. let us help you. Um, it's kind of got a little, got a little passionate there. So Yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> Always reach out. I think that there's such a stigma too against, well, I could Google it. I could find this. Like I shouldn't, you know, actually have to ask for help for this. I should be able to handle it, but. I've hired so many experts think of like working with experts or working with people who've been there as taking a shortcut, not as a weakness. Um, I know we did a similar coaching program or we did the same coaching program and it's just like cut months and months off of the creation process off of sifting through all the bullshit on Google. Um, it's just so nice to have an actual plan to execute off of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very relevant thing to mention again for, I think, the the people listening to this, but like our very even more specific audiences, that's so often a thing as well. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of like we have, our our people have this very unique ball of things wrapped together. And that's definitely one of them is like, being afraid to ask for help, or mm-hmm. again, feeling weak, feeling like I'm not capable. And that's, it is the furthest thing from the truth, what I've realized through my own journey, again, because I've fucked it up plenty, like when I Mm -hmm. had my own business and I wasn't asking for help and I was being a stubborn young 20 something that was so excited to be making it on my own, is that like, I'll put it out there a little bit more bluntly than you did and be like, that's the intelligent thing to do. So don't think Mm -hmm. of it in terms of strong and weak. And really, if you want to know that sometimes it's stronger to ask for help, because that's mm-hmm. more vulnerable. Just understand that you don't know everything and that it's totally okay to reach out. And, you know, in a perfect world, we all want to lift each other up anyways. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so definitely reach out.
1: Yeah. Work smarter, not harder.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's the that's the motto, right? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, Definitely. <laughs>
0: So as we've talked around all these things, I do, um, I want to finish up with a little three questions segment, but before we do that, we kind of went all over the place. Is there anything we didn't hit on or a certain thing that you really want to get across to people? What's, what is that thing? If any,
1: I'm look at my list that I made. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was say,
0: go down the, <laughs> go down the go I laundry list there.
1: literally type A, got a list. Um. I would say that the only point that I try to get across that I think everybody needs to literally wake up and tell themselves, especially if you're an achiever type, or especially if in quarantine, you're worried you're not doing enough, even though there's no right way to quarantine, is that life is not that serious. And we take ourselves so seriously and we take life so seriously that we take all of the fun out of it, all of the rest out of it, and immediately like, have a tendency to wake up. And wonder, what should I be doing? How could I take advantage of these things? Again, this is like coming from an an achiever kind of angle. But if you are waking up worried that you're not going to do enough or be enough, don't take yourself so seriously. Stop taking life so seriously. Take those steps back and like think about like when I'm sitting there really enjoying a book or a movie, even though that's not what I think I should be doing. I think about like when I'm old and dying that's going to be something where I was like, wow, I'm really glad I got to appreciate that, got to appreciate art, glad I got to like be a part of like actually be present in moments, as opposed to like remembering all those hours that I was working in front of my computer. So the things we think are a waste of time now are the things that are actually life and actually make a difference down the road. So just don't take yourself so seriously. And um, yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'll let that one soak in. That's uh, a <laughs> so good. <laughs> to do, but- I I just want to speak to that really quickly because I just want to share something about my story, like a very specific thing that in hindsight makes me really sad, honestly. And that's when, like, so I was just talking about my business and, and like when I was kind of, you know, three, four years ago when I was like really, um, doing pretty well with my personal training business and I was just like going, 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 and I was Mm -hmm. just trying to get to the next level kind of with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I couldn't let go, and I was always thinking about work, and I prided myself on that. Right? It was like yeah. I was always working. I didn't need a Friday night. Fuck that! Like I can, yeah. I can work through it because this is something, and you get this sense of pride of like I'm working when nobody else isn't. I know people are out drinking, but I'm working hard, and I'm going to mm-hmm. get ahead. Yeah. Um. But one of the things that in that moment I realized, looking back, is that. I, a lot of times I would go visit my family in the suburbs. So from Chicago, Mm -hmm. I'd go visit them on like a Sunday and I would hang out with them. And I was so not present. I was Mm -hmm. just, oh, I was so worried about what I was going to do to prep for that week, that night when I got home, what I had to do that week. What was I kind of going back to the the FOMO thing? Like what (laughs) in building my business and in work, like what was I missing out on? by doing this, by like sitting here on my patio with my family, having a beer
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and I wasn't present. And to me, it's incredibly sad to look back on that. And thankfully it was only a few years of my life, right? Like I'm, I'm still young and have a, a lot of life ahead of me, but you know, my goal would be, and I'm, I'm sure yours is very similar is like to, like decrease this for people as much as possible just Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like if that's something you feel or notice just have some awareness around it notice these things that we're talking about if they are in your life because it 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 sucks it's just not a way to live like you you said it beautifully and i don't want to try to like put too much on top of that but these moments that we have are are what make life up and so just make sure that you're not you know, the the Ferris Bueller thing. Don't, don't let life pass you by. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love that.
0: So to finish up, um, I've got the segment called the visionary hat trick three questions. I think we're all visionaries in our own way. And to, to go to the namesake of the podcast, the world needs each of us in whatever it is that we have to share. We all have something and i believe that it's our life's work to figure out what it is and share the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. um so this is just three questions I came up with that are are just kind of fun to talk about um a little bit big picture. so for you what's one belief that you have that you have either worried about being like like thought of as crazy or worried about being judged for having.
1: only one. Hmm. <laughs> right? Um. <laughs> I would say, well, I, I don't know if this is, well, I'll, I'll just say it and then I'll see what, how it lands. But I think we only need to work like 30 hours a week. I think, especially in quarantine, people are realizing like my job takes maybe four hours if I focus and knock everything out. Well, it depends on the type of job and your workload. But, um, yeah, eight hours work, eight hours. Play eight hours sleep was established by Ford when he started his company in like 1901 or something crazy. And we've just never revamped that system <laughs> and we need to. It's time. Ta- it's time. We're, we're making some strides now, but yeah, that's one belief I hold.
0: Oh, I, I like really like to hear that because that's something after being in the corporate world and seeing how corporates run, having corporate clients, personal training and like mm-hmm. life coaching, career coaching type stuff it's just so inefficient. It's so inefficient. There's so much waste. And, and yeah, we, we spend, there's just so much that it drags down. So not necessary. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, second thing is for you, your personal vision, mission, as you go forward, what does that look or feel like to you?
1: So people are so many different places in their developmental journey, but I in my ideal world for my vision for everybody is just again that work is reduced as part of our driving factor in life and people learn how to create meaning outside of that they have meaningful relationships they find meaningful hobbies they like get to actually go travel and see the world it's not this exclusive thing where nobody like you only get to take advantage of your health if you can also afford to have a babysitter and can afford to like eat at whole foods or like whatever it is but that um, everybody gets a chance to actually live out their best healthy social, like all of those different areas of life as opposed to being so uh their work being so tied up in just their work. Mm.
0: I'm bored for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Final one then, we're zooming all the way out. What is your hope for humanity?
1: That people are kind again. Like we've gotten, we've just strayed so far from um, people having each other's best interests in mind, gotten so competitive and so busy that other people are our last priority when other people are the most unique things that you'll find like on earth. Um, and you can just learn so much and gain so much. And if you don't believe that, go like stay in a couple uh, Airbnbs or hostels like around the world and you'll meet people you never, ever would have met Um and just have your entire perspective shaken. And if your perspective isn't being shaken every year or two, you're way too comfortable.
0: Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Thank you so, so much, Emily. Um, we mentioned contacting you here. Where can people do that?
1: Yes. So um, you can either reach me at burnoutmanagementprogram.com or my Instagram handle is. Emily B. Ruth or um my email is Emily at
0: Awesome. I will put all that stuff in the show notes below <laughs> so yeah, people can very long. <laughs> people can easily do that. Um guys, yeah, if you resonated with anything that we talked about, please reach out to Emily. She's awesome. I know her personally, and um, I think I actually mentioned this before we were on the air, but On the air, like this is a radio show. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mentioned to her that, uh, I had like kind of thought about going the route that she did with, with her coaching program and stuff like that. But, um, I told her, I was like, I'm so happy I didn't. And I'm so happy that you're doing it because you're way better at it than I would have been. (laughs) So I truly believe in what she's doing and her abilities. So check her out, shoot her a message. And, uh, yeah, if you need to work with her because burnout, getting past, and getting out of burnout or however you like to talk about that Emily is like, (laughs) it's taking your life back really. So it's, it's something that is absolutely worth investing in. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much.
0: You are so welcome. Thanks so much for being on. Hey, yo, thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below as well as that of our free facebook community where all the cool kids are at just being ourselves sharing our gifts and supporting the hell out of one another so
1: come on in introduce yourself and join the party see you in there